If you're looking for a way to help birds or take your support to the next level, this May, I would love for you to join the Birds Canada Birdathon. It's easy to participate in and helps raise thousands of dollars for bird conservation. Learn more at birdscanada.org slash birdathon. Now let's get to the episode. Listening to the Warblers, a Birds Canada podcast. I'm Andrea Gress. Join me and others as we travel on common flight paths with our guests, gaining insights and inspiration from the world of birds and bird conservation in Canada. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's bonus episode is celebrating this weekend's big event, Superb Owl Day. <laughs> Yeah, well, many folks across North America are gearing up for a day of watching football. Us bird fans are having a chuckle at the Super Bowl hashtag, which of course also spells out superb owl. So what better way to celebrate than by tuning into a superb owl that we have here in Canada? I've got Andrew Coughlin with us today to tell us about one of his favorite owls, This is a circumpolar species that breeds in the far north of Nunavut in the Northwest Territories. It's also a Hollywood celebrity and one of Canada's most easily identifiable owls, the snowy owl. So let's dive right in. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yes, I'd be happy to. I'm speaking to you today from Quebec, where I'm the Provincial Director for Birds Canada. An important part of our work is monitoring bird populations, and volunteer involvement is really key to that. So an important part of my work is actually it actually involves managing provincial surveys for nocturnal owls, for wetland birds, and, as, and a national nightjar survey. So for our listeners, our francophone listeners, uh, je suis le directeur régional pour le Québec de Oiseau-Canada. Une partie importante de notre travail consiste à surveiller les populations d'oiseaux afin de guider les mesures de conservation. Et les bénévoles jouent un rôle essentiel dans le récolte des données qui sont utilisées pour cela. Alors, une partie importante de mon travail consiste à coordonner des inventaires au niveau provincial et au, et au niveau national. So, once again, I'm really happy to be with you here today. Yeah, I was thrilled to have you agree to join the show. You know, you obviously are quite familiar with owls doing the nocturnal owl survey. When I contacted you to see what owl you might like to talk about, though, you didn't pick a nocturnal one. You went right for the snowy owl. Could you tell me your number one reason for picking that bird? All the 160 owl or so owl species are really amazing and encounter with any one of them in nature is a really magical moment. But for me, the predominantly white snowy owl or the Arfin des Neiges from where I am or Ook picked for the Inuit to encounter it on the breeding grounds in the far north, and nearly half a metre tall, really stands out from the rest for me. Many moons ago, when I lived in England, I worked for the London Zoo, where I was responsible for the daily care of its owl collection. And this included a pair of snowy owls that bred each year. And then later, when I moved to Quebec, I was lucky enough to find myself in an area that's regularly used by snowy owls during the winter, and encountering this species in the vast ice-strewn wintry landscapes of the important bird area just beside Quebec City really strengthened my appreciation and awe of this species, which also happens to be the bird emblem of Quebec, symbolizing the whiteness of its winters and its semi-Nordic climate and its vast open spaces. So really a wonderful species. You mentioned how big they are. A half a meter in size is really, really quite impressive. 
are there any special skills or adaptations that you're you know additionally impressed by with snowy owls i think to start with the snowy owls it's our heaviest owl weighing roughly two kilos so the weight of a standard bag of sugar or a two liter bottle of water and in fact it's one of the heaviest owls in the world and its weight's partly linked to its incredibly dense feathering from the bristles around its beak to its heavily feathered feet, which act a little bit like snowshoes. And together, this heavy feathering perhaps maintain the body temperature at between 38 and 40 degrees Celsius, even when it's minus 50. While on the subject of feathers, owls have silent flight. And the leading edge of the owl's primary flight feathers are serrated a little bit like a fine comb. And the feathers behind these have soft edges, and this helps break up the air moving over the wing and helps reduce noise. And the down as well helps absorb noise. So basically, this eliminates any sound that potential prey can hear, which is a really great adaptation. And lastly, as time's a bit limited, snow owls have huge yellow eyes. They're almost as large as ours. And it allows them to spot mouse-sized prey at about 300 meters, so the full length of a, a football pitch. Their eyes aren't round like ours, they're more tubular. Owls rotate their heads through an amazing 270 degrees. We can do probably 180 at best. To allow the owl to turn its head through such a huge degree requires special, specially adapted blood vessels in its head. And this includes sort of pockets of or sacs in the head that act as reservoirs of oxygen-rich blood that feed and fuel the brain and the eyes while the head's turned and blood vessels are restricted. So another really amazing adaptation. Huh. Yeah, I've never really thought about how they're able to pivot their heads the way they do and yet still be, you know, obviously really effective hunters. That's quite interesting. Uh, we'd go dizzy. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. And uh, I love that you tossed in the there. They can see as far as a football field. A really nice connection to uh, Superb Owl Day. Exactly. That's great. And, uh, and the weight. I had noticed that one too, researching for this episode, that they're one of our heaviest owls. I'm just going to toss in another reference. They're about the weight of a football helmet. They're also the weight of five footballs. <laughs> We've done our research. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share about the snowy owl that we haven't covered yet? Yes, certainly. Um, the snowy owl, or Ukpik in Inuktitut, is a culturally important species for the Inuit, who consider it as a source of wisdom and guidance, and also the one that's responsible for safely shepherding the spirits of their dead to the afterlife. But unfortunately, the snowy owl population has declined by over 50% since the 1970s and is further threatened by climate change. So Canada, which holds an important part of the population, has high responsibility for the long-term survival of the species. And we really need to keep a close eye on population trends. And although the Christmas Bird Count, which is a community science project, plays an important role in monitoring the species, another great project for tracking where snowy owls are at this time of year is a great backyard bird count, which this year runs from the 16th to the 19th of February. So if there are listeners who can get out and check open countrysides near them during the survey window, that would be really, really useful. Yeah, and the great backyard bird count, um, firstly, you don't need to have a backyard. And secondly, it's a really great intro to birding. So no matter what your skill level is, you can absolutely get involved in that. Don't be intimidated by it at all. Oh, 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 oh. 
So you also coordinate the nocturnal owl survey in Quebec. Now, although that one doesn't help snowy owls, because of course, snowy owls are a daytime species. Could you just give me a quick little tidbit about what the nocturnal owl survey is? Thanks, Andrew. Yes, I can certainly do that. The Nocturnal Owl Survey is another community science project that's helping determine changes in the distribution and long-term population trends of some of our more common owl species. And it's an evening roadside survey that's conducted in April, which often gives participants their first real signs of spring. So it's, it's, a, great, it's a great survey. And it starts about half an hour after sunset and takes about three hours to complete. And if anybody's interested, the Birds Canada website has all the information necessary to contact the different regional coordinators across the country. Yeah, it's a really, really cool program. And I know they're always looking for folks, especially in rural regions. Urban, you know, it might be a little bit trickier to get in and get a route, but in a lot of rural parts throughout the country, they're looking for helpers. So, well, and in, certainly in more northern areas. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's where you're going to see some really cool owls. So it's a great thing to get involved in. Now, final question. I just have to ask. It's a bit of a silly one. But how thrilled were you to see the snowy owl featured in Harry Potter? <laughs> it's not a silly question at all. It's really, really great. Um, to my mind, Hedwig the name of the snowy owl in the Harry Potter films, has really brought owls in general, and snowy owls in particular, into the hearts and homes of millions. And that's simply priceless for the appreciation, understanding, and conservation of owls. And basically, to use the words of the wildlife narrator David Attenborough, nobody will protect what they don't care about, and nobody will care about what they've never experienced. And the Harry Potter films have really helped the whole generation experience owls in a really positive way. So as I say, I think it's a really good thing for owl conservation. I think so too. Is it true that, uh, is the owl meant to be a female, but it's portrayed by a male owl? Yes. (laughs) Oh, scandalous. There were were also seven owls used during the filming. Remarkable. That's pretty interesting. Leave it to Hollywood to bring in a a bird to, to our households and get folks tuned in. That's really fantastic. Thank you so much for joining, Andrew. I do want to also mention a way that folks can help. Like we've talked about the Christmas bird count, the Great Backyard Bird Count. We've talked about doing nocturnal owl surveys. And I want to remind folks that another really important way to help owls in the wild is to give them space. You know, when we see these birds, they're awe-inspiring. It's an exciting moment. and We want to hang out and watch them forever. But they're actually really, really tuned into human activities and the things that are happening around them. And without intending to, we can often disturb their hunting activities and their nearby prey or their resting periods. So when you see an owl, remember to give them space, only watch them for a short time to minimize disturbance. And if the owl sees you, if it's looking at you, you're probably too close. So if you're hoping to get out and see owls or photograph them, Please just have a look at some additional tips we've got in our episode description. And remember, give them space so that they can all stay healthy and happy, the owls that we love. Thank you, Andrea. That's really important. And another important point is not to feed wild owls as well, because that can attract them to roadsides. Oh, yeah. That's a really good reminder, too. You know, as we're kind of starting to wrap up here and we're giving pointers for how people can observe owls in an ethical way, it occurs to me that we haven't actually talked about where they might see a snowy owl. So I'll just give a shout out to my home province of Saskatchewan, where it was actually quite easy to see them growing up. 
Often they'd just be perched on utility poles out in a wide open field in the wintertime, right out in the open. So think about areas near you that have those wide open, expansive spaces, the kind of thing that a snowy owl would be accustomed to living in, in the Arctic, in the tundra. Those are the kind of areas they'll gravitate towards. So that that might give you a hint if you're hoping to see a snowy owl this winter. That's really, really great. And they tend to sort of be eruptive species. So they'll they'll move south in certain winters, but not all in every winter. So mm-hmm. they're not can't always guarantee that you're going to see one. So it's it's a it's a, a really magical moment when you do actually have the chance to observe them in the wild. And often on cold wintry or sort of windy days, they'll move down from those utility poles and grain silos and perch on the ground where they're protected a little bit from the wind. Pretty special. Pretty special to see in a snowy owl. Uh, so that, I guess, is our celebration for Superb Owl Day, is a, a deep dive into the snowy owl. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining. Thank you so much for your invitation, Andrea. If you liked this episode, let us know, leave a written review on Apple or a comment on our Spotify, and maybe if enough of you call for it, maybe we'll make this an annual tradition and celebrate a new superb owl each year. Lots of really great citizen science projects mentioned in this episode. Of course, the Great Backyard Bird Count is coming up this week, so check that one out first and foremost. There are links for each of these projects listed in our episode description, plus pointers on how to watch and photograph owls in a way that does not cause them harm or distress. Super, super important tips for our owl fans out there. And with that, I'll let you get back to the football game. The Warblers is a podcast of Birds Canada. Our goal is to bring you the information you need to discover, enjoy, and protect birds. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Birds Canada relies on the support of donors like you. Visit birdscanada.org slash warblerspodcast to make a donation today. The Warblers is produced by Jody Allaire, Kate Dogleash, Chris Koo, and Andrea Gress, with music by Jose Mora and art by Alex Nichol. Until next time, keep birding. <laughs>